Good morning and welcome to our show. I'm Mark Hamilton. I'm your host today. And we'll talk today about our weather. And of course, it continues to be strange. The same with the political happenings in the state and in the nation. We'll take a look at energy. And yes, our gas prices are still high. We'll talk about agriculture. We'll talk about some of the issues you face out there with your animals. And, and we'll also talk about Wyoming's first vehicle. I mean, that's rather interesting. We'll also jump into travel and the tourist season is starting to heat up. And finally, we'll talk about cookie jar auctions. All here today on Let's Talk Wyoming, your everything Wyoming podcast. Taking a look at Wyoming weather, we are continuing our cool patterns. We are going to get rain here during the week. We're getting rain right now as I'm recording. Looks like our temperature is going to get a little hot over the weekend, maybe the first of the week, and then I see a cooling trend again next week. So it is green out there. The state of Wyoming, if we got rain year-round, this place would be unbelievable right now. The hills are definitely green. Everywhere you go, you can enjoy the scenery. It just kind of uplifts you. Seeing all this green grass and all this new growth out there. But again, the weather is continuing on with a pattern. And I guess one of these days, according to forecasts, that the drought is going to settle in. Look like we could have a hot summer with not a lot of moisture. So enjoy this weather while you can. Taking a look at Wyoming politics. Rather lively weekend at the Republican meetings in Sheridan over the weekend. A lot of news coming out of there. A lot of issues came up with the Laramie County Republican group. It's rather interesting. I guess you need a scorecard and we'll hopefully get some more information here in later episodes as we go into it. I think there's just a lot of stuff going on. I think the idea is to keep with the eye focused on the August primaries coming up. We've got some good candidates running, and I think now we'll start seeing some action start to happen getting into May. We're not very far off. We're three months away from the August primaries, so I think there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. I think just implore people to take a close look at what's going on. Sometimes we vote by our heart. I guess each person has that right, but make sure you take a look at some of the conditions and what's happening right now and some of the information out there. Kind of take it with a grain of salt and make your votes accordingly. Again, on the national news, I think the biggest national story we have right now is the leak from the Supreme Court about the potential of overturning Roe versus Wade. And it's just amazing right now, the issues going on with this. It's, it's, I don't know how this leak happened. It's something that I just kind of wonder. You always say it. it it's pretty obvious that somebody was uh, wanting to release this to cause some issues right now, and you saw it did have an impact immediately. But again, I think we all have the have rights, but I don't think that anybody is talking about not allowing abortions. I think there are, right now, California said that they will pay for people to come get an abortion. So there's plenty of opportunities, but it's just going to go back to the states. They're, they're wanting to make this sound like that suddenly that, oh, guess what? Now there won't be any opportunity for abortions. And people don't get, get upset. They'll go back to the state. I know our state did have a bill that they passed that if this does get overturned, would go in effect. There are some limitations on it. 
for the abortions. But that's kind of where we are. Instead of federal law, we're going to go back to states. And then with state laws, people have the right to vote. With these elections coming up, you have with your legislature and such, if whatever your opinion is, that's the people you put in. That's the way our system is set up. So we'll make sure that we stay on top of that. Again, don't forget about the end of May where we have a big event here in Wyoming with President Trump coming for the rally at the event center at the Ford Center in Casper on the 28th. It should be an interesting afternoon. Try to I'm going to try to go down and take in the event, see what this is all about. So, But again, it's going to heat up. Summer is upon us and we're getting closer to those primary elections and it will be interesting, Wyoming. Taking a look at Wyoming Energy, West Texas Intermediate Crude here on the 10th day of May is at 99.41. That's a drop over the previous day's highs. A lot of this is attributed to the fears of a economic slowdown taking place in our economy. Natural gas is still strong at 7.29, while gasoline remains high at $3.52. In news from the Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, the rig count was reported at 17 for the month, with Campbell County with five rigs, Converse 9 and Sublette 3. This is from last year's low of four rigs, so an increase in the rig count. Oil production for January 2022 was down 4% from this time last year, while Wyoming natural gas production is saw an increase of 13% from last year. In other news from the Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, Patrick Amol has been selected to fill the deputy supervisorial post for the Wyoming Oil and Gas Commission. Patrick brings a strong experience in the position. He has obtained a BS degree in petroleum engineer from the University of Wyoming. He worked as a production reservoir engineer with ConocoPhillips in Alaska. Patrick also worked in an engineering position with YDOT in Rock Springs, Wyoming. In 2017, he began his career at the Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission as a field inspector. His duties regularly took him to the western part of the state to assist with plugging operations of deep wells. He later served as an engineer on the engineering team before taking the position of senior inspector to oversee the Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission's field inspection team. Other news from the area relating to our natural gas market, TC Energy recently announced a non-binding open season from April 4th, 2022 to May 6, 2022 to assess interest in the expansion of the northern border pipeline. The Bison Express project would add 0.43 BCF or just under half a BCF a day of capacity on NGPL and utilize the existing but empty bison pipeline to connect Bakken volumes to the Cheyenne Hub in the Rockies. Cheyenne Hub in the Rockies would offer Bison Express shippers access to pipelines that could take Bakken volumes either east to the mid-continent or west towards Wom Center and Opal markets. Total volumes flowing out of Cheyenne Hub have been in decline over the last several years, with volumes declining from an average of 4.5 BCF a day in 2010 to just an average of 1.6 BCF in 2021. The decline in volumes flowing east corresponds with a drop in investments in non-oil play and subsequently production volumes in the Western Rockies. This winter even saw for the first time flows to the mid-continent reverse with volumes being imported into the Rockies. 
Cheyenne Hub has also become a focal point for supplying the Western Rockies during the winter. If Western Rockies natural gas production continues to decline, then the volumes from the Bison Express could find new markets in need of supply. However, the current regime for the natural gas and oil certainly supports a return to the drilling in the region. This return in activity, though, is compounded by regulatory challenges at both a state and federal level. Colorado has enacted new policies limiting and slowing the pace of permitting in Colorado, while plays in Wyoming and Utah sit almost exclusively on BLM land. Taking a look at Wyoming agriculture, our weather again continues on its strange ways as we have had some cool weather. Uh, barley is up good as barley crop likes this cooler weather with some moisture. Temperatures look like that they will warm up. A lot of the cattle now are done with calving and now we're having to deal with the, with the animals. So it kind of brings up some problems with this wind and other type of diseases that you might see. And today from an article from Successful Farming, on how to spot the five most common cattle diseases by Madeline Ostendorf. Tony Hawkins, a technical service veterinarian at Valley Vet, says approximately 90% of his calls in the spring consist of one of five common health issues. The number one issue is bovine respiratory disease complex. Symptoms include depression, lack of interest in food, cough, head extension, rapid and shallow breathing, separation from the rest of the herd, and fever. Once VRDC has been identified, early treatments will give producers the best chance of success, Hawkins says. Injectable antibiotics and inflammatories are the most effective treatment of choice. Prescription antibodies will be the most successful. There's a lot of those to choose from, Hawkins said. There also tend to be resistant profiles locally, so what works here may not work in other areas. I advise producers to work with local veterinarians because they will know what's effective in that area. He also recommends quarantining the affected animal to minimize the spread. Pink eye is another common disease. There isn't an age cap on the cattle that affects, and pink eye is one of the most common diseases found in cattle. Symptoms include eyelid squinting, hearing or watery eyes, cloudiness over the entire surface or parts of the eye. Over-the-counter medicines can be effective for pink eye. He also recommends a topical spray and eye patch to help with the healing process. Lameness is another one. Symptoms include lagging behind the herd, limping and swelling, inability to put weight on the leg. For lameness, it's best to be able to catch the animal, tie up the hoof, and clean out between the toes. This may, Hawkins says, that way we can make sure we're not dealing with foot rot. We can get a hoof knife, clean off the surface of the hoof, and look for anything obvious. Producers should be looking for any, something obvious, anything obvious, such as thorns or nails stuck in the surface of the hoof or injuries. Remove any foreign objects and flesh out the wound with a disinfectant. Hawkins says, then, then you want to use some type of injectable antibody to help with the infection. If no clear problem is found, he suggests consulting a veterinarian. And in my past experience, we've dealt a lot with foot rot and, and other injuries of the foot. We end up usually with a situation of a course of antibiotics, usually a, a LA-200 with some type of a bolus, which gets to be rather interesting getting those boluses and, and getting a gun and getting that taken care of. But if you get ahead of it, you sure will prevent problems in the future. Scours is another problem. It's the disease of the digestive system, which Hawkins says is commonly and predominantly affects young calves. 
Symptoms include loose stool, depression, poor nursing, and weakness. Hawkins says the best treatment for scours in young cattle is to keep them warm and hydrated. Dehydration and hypothermia are leading causes of death, and scours can kill an animal from dehydration within a few days. Oral and injectable antibodies can be given to ward off secondary infections, but aren't effective as a primary treatment. And finally, bloat is a typical issue of young calves when switching from nursing to solid foods or a concentrated-based diet. This type of bloat, free gas bloat, causes gas to build up in the stomach, Hawkins says. Symptoms include distension of the stomach, especially the left side, and laboring breathing. Hawkins says it's important to, to relieve the gas as soon as possible. As soon as bloat is an emergency, they can kill an animal quickly. Boosters should pass a stomach tube to ease the pressure, then administer a bloat-release liquid. Once the gas subsides, Hawkins recommends a diet of only long-stem grass hay for three to five days. The calf then can be transitioned back to grains. Most medical issues should be treated as soon as possible, as soon as they are spotted, Hawkins says. The faster a producer responds to an issue, the better the chance for success. Part of the responsibilities of a livestock producer is also being a medical professional. We thought we'd take a look at some Wyoming history and a story from wyominghistory.org by Mr. Phil Roberts. Lovejoy's Toy, Wyoming's First Scar. The automobile age arrived in Wyoming almost unnoticed. While the Spanish-American War dominated headlines and editorial pages, Elmore Lovejoy was building Wyoming's first car in his Laramie bicycle shop during the winter of 1897-98. to Lovejoy, owner of a bicycle and novelty company, was occasionally mentioned in the personals of the Laramie newspaper during the period. He apparently began work on his car during December 1897. The Laramie Boomerang on December 17, 1897 reported, Elmer Lovejoy is doing but little on his horseless carriage, but he is waiting to get the wheels. He will have inch and three-quarter solid rubber tires on the wheels. He is afraid the pneumatic tires would not be practical. A look at the unpaved, rough Laramie streets that year would seem to bear out Lovejoy's initial decision. Newspapers continued to mention Lovejoy's project from time to time over the next three months. In February 1898, the newspaper reported that he was putting in full time on his horseless carriage. Two weeks later, it was reported that W.H. Holiday Company is thinking of having Elmer Lovejoy build them a horseless carriage for delivering goods. Others were less far-sighted about the practicality of Lovejoy's toy. One observer noted that the machine was regarded as an interesting toy by the townsfolk. On Washington's birthday, 1898, Lovejoy reportedly told a boomerang reporter that he expected to have his horseless carriage ready for operation by May 1st. He was waiting the arrival of the one-cylinder, two-cycle marine engine. On May 4th, 1898, the boomerang reported, Elmer Lovejoy, who has received his engine for his horseless carriage, is now hard at working completing the vehicle. The first test drive was scheduled for Saturday, May 7th, 1898. Lovejoy had reconsidered his decision not to use pneumatic tires. For the Tusseran, however, he decided to use iron tires because the pneumatic tires were expensive. He had them especially built by Morgan and Wright Bicycle Tire Company of Chicago, and there wasn't a spare in the world. The first car ride in Wyoming was not reported on the front page. 
the Spanish-American War, and the Battle of Manoa Bay, covered page one. Back on page three, in this, that, and other column, the Lovejoy machine received one paragraph. Elmer Lovejoy exercised his horseless carriage Saturday night and Sunday. It was the first trial of the machine, and was entirely satisfactory to Mr. Lovejoy. He learned by the test that it will be necessary for him to have pneumatic tires on the wheels. The carriage weighs 940 pounds and with little iron buggy wheels cutting into the soft places so that the progress was very slow. The pneumatic tires will be four inch wide and will make the vehicle run easier in addition to preventing it from sinking in the soft places. The news account added there were two speeds in use on the machine yesterday, one of five and one of 10 miles per hour. When the machine was on good hard places, it acquired a speed of 10 or 12 miles per hour. It was noted that with pneumatic tires, the speed of 15 miles per hour may be attained. By summer, Lovejoy's machine was a common sight in Laramie streets. Even though it was still considered a toy, the machine wore out after two years. Lovejoy continued his interest in the automobile. In 1905, the year after he became a dealer for Franklin Motor Car Company, he invented the steering mechanism still used in today's cars. Unable to rise the $350 needed to patent the idea, he traded his plan to the locomotive company for $800 and one of their cars. He published a travel guide for motorists and continued in the car business for many years. In 1917, he invented the automobile door opener and manufactured them for years. Lovejoy, born in Illinois in 1872, came with his family to Laramie when he was 12. He stayed in Laramie until 1953 when he moved to the West Coast. Wyoming's pioneer motorist died in Santa Ana, California in January of 1960. Continuing on with our monthly series on mental health, again, May is Mental Health Month. Have you ever felt intense and overwhelming anger after being ignored by someone in your life? It would be a surprise if your answer was no. In fact, being hurt or angered when someone ignores you is an entirely natural reaction. While most people have been ignored at some point in their life, that doesn't diminish the fact that being given the silent treatment can be an extremely painful experience. In fact, it can be even be considered a form of emotional and psychological manipulation and abuse. In addition to the negative emotions you might experience after being ignored, it has been shown that silent treatment can actually have physical effects on your brain. According to research, feeling ignored and excluded can cause real changes in your brain, particularly in your anterior signa lutei cortex, a zone of the brain responsible for detecting pain. When this zone is activated, you may experience several different physical symptoms that may include headaches, digestive problems, insomnia and fatigue, increased blood pressure, diabetes, and affected autoimmune system. These physical effects are caused by high stress levels that you may experience after being ignored. What does it mean when your partner ignores you? If your partner is not responding to your texts or calls, you probably feel hurt, confused, or angry. While this is completely natural, there may actually be a reasonable explanation for this behavior. Here are some possible reasons. They don't like to communicate via phone. They're overwhelmed with other matters in their own life. They may need some time alone. They feel like you want something from them, or they may not be considering a breakup. Is ignoring, ignoring someone being manipulative? 
While there are many logical reasons why someone might ignore you, some individuals may use the silent treatment as a manipulation tactic. They may know exactly what makes you tick, and being ignored tends to achieve that precise effort on most people. The person who is ignoring you probably knows exactly what they are doing to your emotional state, and they might use this to their advantage, causing you to think about them more and be more vulnerable to the rest of manipulation tactics. The silent treatment is often used as part of a narcissistic abuse, hand-in-hand hand with gaslighting, deflection, stonewalling, and other abusive behaviors. How do you respond to being ignored? You want to take a step back. Also, distract yourself. Find something to do to keep yourself busy. Check to see if, if they are actually ignoring you. The whole deal may simply be a misunderstanding. Try not to overreact. Yes, being, a hurt, ignore, uh, being ignored hurts, but remember that the individual ignoring you may be trying to achieve exactly that. Don't give them that satisfaction. And communicate. Your partner may have some concerns about the relationship they are afraid to bring up. Try speaking with them without anger or bitterness. Questions related to being ignored. Have you ever been the person who was ignored? If so, how did it make you feel? Have you ever ignored someone and why? Have you ever been ignored by a friend or an acquaintance? If you have ignored someone, did reading this article make you think twice about doing it again? Have you ever had a partner ignore you? If so, how did you deal with it in a successful way? And always to remember, anytime you're having a problem, it's always good to reach out to people around you and ask for help. And we shared the number from last week, and I'd like to share it again. If you need help and you feel like that you have nowhere to turn, call 1-800-273-8255. And also you can text MHA to 741741. Again, those numbers are one 800 273 8255 and text MHA to 741741. Now, taking a look at Wyoming travel. Definitely is summer season here in the state of Wyoming. Maybe the weather doesn't agree, but the east gate of Yellowstone Park opened up last Friday. It was up in Cody, Wyoming over the weekend. Absolutely packed at the Walmart and everywhere. The people are here. I don't see any slowdown at this point with any type of travel with the gas prices, none that are evident at this point. Everybody seems to find a way to get to Yellowstone. So the traffic looks good. A lot of people out, and I guess this is a good time to travel in my opinion. I always like to travel in the early, late spring. When you have some cooler weather, it makes for a more enjoyable travel. But a lot of times you're limited with when your kids get out of school and you have to be go back into the late June or July situation. So travel is starting here in the state of Wyoming. A lot of places to go, as we've talked about previously. A lot of places up here in the northwest part of the state of Wyoming. The southwest is going to be getting busy in the Jackson Hole area. Every place from there south and north, of course, from Jackson up to the park and down south. There is just a lot of places to go visit in that area, just down through the up over South Pass and over to Farson and in that area. There's a lot of areas heading up through there. You can go back up towards Pinedale. There's a, a lot of a lot of different avenues, a lot of different routes you can take that are just absolutely gorgeous. There is just unsurpassed beauty in our state of Wyoming. 
And I just implore people here from the state of Wyoming, get out and enjoy the state. If you're not uh, sure about where to go, just take a few days and visit the state of Wyoming. Maybe revisit some spots. And again, that's my plan here as the summer progresses. have family coming in. We'll be making some trips around the state. We'll also be looking for some unique places to eat in the state of Wyoming. That's always a lot of fun, shopping at a out-of-the-way places and enjoying a meal and visiting with the local people. So the travel is starting to pick up, and, and with Memorial Day just around the corner, even with high gas prices, people are on the roads. Thermopolis, Wyoming, and cookie jar auctions. When I hear of a cookie jar, I think of finding something good to eat in them. And in Thermopolis, Wyoming, they provide that and so much more for someone facing major medical issues. In 1993, when the local high school football team was going to play a game down under in Australia, the team needed to raise some money. A local resident, John Garrels, the manager of the VFW, volunteered to help. John formulated the idea for the fundraiser from an article he saw in an auctioneer publication, and the rest is history. The fundraiser was successful, and the team had an experience of their lifetime. Slowly but surely, the fundraiser idea caught on and is still going strong today. If someone has a need... Due to a major medical issue, a friend or family will contact John or others who help with the auctions and submit the names of the person or family in need, and the cookie jar auction will take over. They will make arrangements to have a meal and then an auction. They will auction off donated cookie jars and numerous other items, including hay by the ton, Wyoming-made products, antiques, a homemade gun cabinet, decorative hand saws, and even old milk cans. The first auction for the football team raised around $5,000, and the next auction, around seven. The largest amount raised was around 60000 but according to a couple of the people involved with the cookie jar auction, they really haven't kept track of the exact amount of money raised. No one really cares about the amounts of money, but that the community was there to help out those in need. Even John had a medical issue, and he benefited from his own cookie jar auction to help with his needs. Once they had a cookie jar auction for a new family in town, whose grandson was having major medical issues and he lived out of state, and the generous people of Thermopolis came out and raised money for his needs. A few of the local communities have tried the auctions, but they don't seem to be able to keep them going. I think Thermopolis has a great group of people that have made the commitment to the auctions, and the people of Thermopolis and their generous hearts do the rest. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed our show. As per the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for Wyoming. Here at Let's Talk Wyoming, your everything Wyoming podcast.
And that's a wrap.